Alan, how are you? Hello, Rebecca. How's things? Sorry about that. Technical issues. Ah, no, it's grand, sure. If there was nothing technical happening, <laughs> it'd be too easy. <laughs> Always something goes wrong anyway. But how's things? Yeah, good, good. Busy, busy. Um, yourself? Ah, same, same. Um, Rebecca, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Well, I have two boys, George and Jack, and they're four and two. They were they're both being diagnosed on the spectrum. So I have been working full time and I decided then to go kind of work on the three days a week so I could spend more time with the boys. Okay. And uh yeah, so it's 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 fun kind of you're almost going to, to work for your break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, have, to have the hot cup of coffee and go to the bathroom on your own without two little monkeys following you. <laughs> And when were the kids diagnosed? George was diagnosed um, just after two. Okay. And Jack was diagnosed just after his, the day after his second birthday. Right. Um, George was kind of, he kind of fits into that kind of almost classic kind of autism kind of criteria. You know, when you're Googling it, kind of tick, tick, tick. He, he kind of, he didn't, um, he was always that kind of placid little child. He didn't really kind of babble or do the pointing or any kind of joint attention or anything like that. So we just, I always kind of felt like there was something different that I needed to look into. But he was my first child. So, you know, the old Irish mummies kind of, oh, sure, everyone goes at their own pace and boys are slower than girls and all that kind of thing. But, um, you know, he, he hasn't said kind of mommy, daddy, anything like that. So I knew there was something that I needed to to look into. Okay. And how how are you getting on now? How are you doing? Oh, sure. Look, it's, he's, he's the poster child for early intervention. He's doing fantastic. Um, so we got the, received the diagnosis. Um, it was actually during kind of the start of kind of, you know, COVID and things like that. So it was very hard to even get the you know, the appointment to get the diagnosis, as you know yourselves, the weightless yeah. along yeah. the one seems to have got longer now, but um and then, you know, you're you're sitting there on the, the computer because you had to do it a lot of it by Zoom and uh, you know, you're told your child's got the diagnosis and you're given this twenty odd page report and thank you very much and off they go. So it was um I was very lucky I have a friend who uh, Fiona who's very much in the know. She she works with um, neurodivergent children, so she was able to kind of go through the report with me and point me in the right direction, and we were able to figure out what George needed. So he has a speech delay as well. So well, thank we God, thank God, it. thank God for your friend. Otherwise, you would have been. What would you have done? You know, it's like it's like all new parents, and um, to get the diagnosis forced, they're given this these pieces of paper, and off you go. Oh, they're given a booklet of, of, you know, it's almost like I felt like I was given the future of my child in my hands, you know, and said, like, your child needs this, they're not meeting this, they're not meeting that, they're not meeting this, you know, and, you know, there's, you're, you're, you're looking at this piece of paper going, this doesn't look like my child, this doesn't feel like my child, because, you know, it's an observation on a point in time, and then you're given this paper that carries through with them, yeah. you know, so it's... It, you know, unfortunately, you can't take into account their beautiful personality and their funny sense of humour and all that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it's it's very overwhelming. It's I'd almost say it's, it's a traumatising experience going through the whole process because it's, it feels very drawn out. And I think unless you have friends that have been through it before, it's very isolating and it's, it's very lonely. Yeah, I think I think when we, we first got diagnosed for our kids... 
Um, I had to find find a lot of stuff out through Google, and then yeah, I found I found DCA Warriors on just a search of um autism on Google. I don't know how I came across it, and that's the first group I joined, and it just it went from there. But thank God for the online forums because we would have been lost otherwise, you know. Yeah, snap. No, we were we were DCA warriors and uh, autism families Ireland as well. So it it, it is. It's I never have been a big Facebook person, um, mm. never a joiner. Um, but I'm glad I was kind of pushed into to doing the joining because it's it's unbelievable that you know you're asking people, parents, that you know they've actually become the people that you're getting most of your information. You know, for a person who's got that lived experience, it's actually invaluable mm-hmm. from, you know, that I, I found, you know, it's kind of giving you on the, on the ground kind of experience and advice and all that kind of thing. So I think the Facebook books, uh, they're absolutely invaluable. So. They are, they are indeed. And I think, I think this is the whole point of the CDNT setup. I think they're pushing towards that for parents to help each other rather than um, to offer professional um, therapies or anything else. But um, I think it, that's the easy way out for the CDNT. Get with our parents to help each other. Um, what do you think about CDNT? Yeah, I I think they're kind of well. We had um, we actually just started. George's case became kind of live or whatever they're calling us. Um, with the CDNT recently. Okay. And we had the you know the Zoom call and it was, I think it was ten or eleven parents on at the same time, and. I have to say, I found it one of the most depressing Zoom calls I have ever been on in my entire life. I just was looking at the faces of parents who came on so full of hope, thinking this was going to be the answer. They have the golden ticket. They're going to get all this help and, you know, advice and support. And the facilities just aren't there. So, you know, to, to watch their faces on the Zoom call been told well actually no you know you won't be getting one-to-one it's only in extreme cases in in um where we are it's going to be extreme cases only that get the one-to-one yeah. and then it was the old you know we're going to give you the the courses to for you to teach your child at home and you know yeah like what, what, what do you say to the parents who are just looking going but, but we've been waiting we were told we'd get this this and this but the facilities and the staff aren't there for them to provide it. It's just. I I think the CDNT has already failed. Being honest. Yeah. Um, there may be a few counties that are getting decent service from them, but um, I think overall, it's it's fairly poor, you know. And I'd, I'd love to know the thought process of coming up where it was because, I personally think it is parents helping parents. That's their goal, um, to cut out all the therapies. Um, I know parents have a lot of um, knowledge around their kids and everything else, but every child is different as well. So yes. nothing's going to be face-to-face, um, well, I call them therapies, but you, you, know, where I'm, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know, the CDNT, I, I think it's already fair, being honest. But you've, you've set up your, did you set up that Facebook group yourself or? Yeah, we... Um Myself and Fiona have been kind of thinking for a while, I've been talking for a long time from the experience that I had been through um, of literally just getting the diagnosis and this huge big report and then it's thank you, goodbye. And he's like, I just gave you nearly 2,000 euro, you're gone. You know, that kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do I do now? And it was, you know, 
my my thoughts of I've been told my child needs four or five different therapies. Which one do I pick? How do I know how to pick them? Which if I pick a therapy, how do I know which is the best place to go? So I actually I said to her, listen, no parent should ever go through this again. So that's why um, kind of one night where the kids are bouncing off the walls at three o'clock in the morning, um, <laughs> I I googled how to set up a Facebook group, right. and I wasn't really kind of sure exactly yet what it was going to become or what was going to happen but I just thought no parent should have to be doing this alone and feeling you know like I, I feel quite isolated a lot of the time yeah, from yeah. kind of yeah. the rest of the world and you know I was kind of like we don't myself and my husband I was like we don't really have a social life anymore you know we don't have kind of the group of friends and that kind of thing we used to have anymore so I just kind of thought to myself well there's so many of us out there you know stronger together and all that like why not all come together so that's kind of where this is me neurodiversity kind of stems from and it was, it's I suppose I kind of thought it was a, it's a bit like a dating app for for families yeah, um, yeah. so what we've done is uh, I set up the group and I've put chats in the group for every split out by every county so people are joining and they're then, if they're from Kerry, they're joining the group and then they're jumping into the Kerry chat group. They're all chatting among themselves. They're making play dates and everything. It's amazing. I'm up kind of in the Dublin kind of Wicklow area and we're doing the same thing up here. And then on the main page, we're basically um, literally getting every group that we can find across the country. We're trying to find every service or any kind of event that's going on, meetups for families. And we're just providing trying to bombard everybody with this is great this is where you can go this is the support here and basically i'm just trying to kind of i suppose mimic what i would have needed and what i still need on a going daily basis so that's kind of and the name the name of the group is this is me neurodiversity yeah i've shared on um autism families ireland earlier on um so if anyone wants to go and check it out they can but um You've been, I think you've been on my group uh, a couple of years now, have you? Yeah, yeah. No, I've been on the, the group a couple of years now. And it's, it's been absolutely brilliant. Um, I actually think your group is one of, it's got, it's got that nice balance of kind of, you know, you've got the concerning questions, but then you've also got the bit of the element of fun mm-hmm. and kind of the lightheartedness and people are able to kind of share the good things as well as the bad things. Because, you know, such is life. It's, I think it's important for people not to know that, you know, there's going to be tough days because also those amazing milestones being reached that are more meaningful and joyful than like a neurotypical kid meeting because you know how hard your kid has fought to get there and I think it's only groups like yourselves that will really get that yeah yeah I think it's important I know I know parents there's a guilt there about sharing positive stuff but um please don't feel guilty for sharing positive stuff because it does help other parents um well what they're going through as well and maybe they'll have a positive positive experience and they'll be able to post it as well you know so it does help so don't feel guilty about posting positive stuff um i know it is hard like but because there is people going through bad situations at the moment with no help whatsoever and it's always good to hear positive stuff you know so Absolutely, you have to. You have to kind of think. You know, as, as as I kind of say, even the storm will run out of rain, eventually. So, you know, it, you could feel lost and alone and kind of in that kind of black area. But, you know, to to see someone else that you know we've had this tough time, we've gone through this 
horrible period of kind of really struggling, but now we're kind of, this has happened, this is our kind of moment. And I just think you could never begrudge anybody that, you know, knowing that everyone's kind of got their own battle and everything like that. So, yeah. but um, within the group now, we've, we've uh, we're, we're, only, we're only a baby, we're only a baby, we're only started. But um, we've started up doing uh, active club camps. So basically that is parents and families are coming with their kids. We're running kind of active camps. So it's kind of gross motor skills, fine motor skills. It's just basically a fun camp kind of playtime for kids and parents. And, and we're all coming together. It's yes. kind of no turn taking, no queuing, no competitiveness. So each kid can either parallel play, they can sit on their own and not look anybody or they can all play as a group it's it's the kids time and they can do what they want the parents are really helping each other giving each other support and it's it's just kind of nice to be in your kind of your little kind of group knowing that you know you're having a hard day and you know you can come in and be like jesus i feel like i'm really failing as a parent this week or you know i just don't want to be on this planet this week you know and no there's no judgment because everybody's been there and it's everybody gets that that's just a point in time that's not how you feel all the time it's just because of the situation rather than how you're really feeling and i think it's great to have that support yeah definitely is i think it's brilliant oh yeah actually only came across it when yesterday or this morning and we didn't realize it mustn't be that old the group is it no, it's only three months old, three coming up months. to three months old. So um, we've also started, we had a, last week we had, a, just before the kids broke up for the summer, we had, um, Leanne came down and she did a mindfulness and self-care program for parents. So that was down in Ballyrown Community Centre. They uh, So we just did some kind of mindfulness and a self-care plan for parents and stuff like that. That I actually found it was amazing. I was supposed to be organising and I think I got most out of anybody mm-hmm. else. And um, we're going to start running coffee mornings. And um, we've dance classes, art classes. We've got a summer camp down in Paris Court as well happening. So we've lots going on, and we plan to kind of grow it and just keep growing the tribe. And hopefully, people will just keep loving it and coming. And you know, if anyone wants to set up something in their area, like look, we're like we're here. We're happy to help set them up. I think you know. Every area should have a, a kind of their own kind of play group and their own kind of community. So I think it'd be amazing to keep it going. Yeah, there there is a lot of um, areas to have this stuff going on. But parents, parents, um, like I've had a parent say to me, I've shared something that's going on in their community. I never knew about it. They'd say, so that's why I'd always say on the on the group, always share stuff that's going on in your area, that's going to help um parents with additional needs, kids. So, um, it's always helpful. So um, now it's brilliant what she's doing now, you know. You have to, you have to come on a playdate soon. <laughs> I barely get time with the kids at home and everything else, but um, yeah. Oh, you're to bring the kids. You can't come on your own. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's only listen. But um, no, it's fantastic, and there is fantastic people around the country doing this. So um. It's up and down the country, but it's really difficult that parents... Like, it is great that parents are helping each other. But they have to have support of the professionals behind them as well, you know? And yeah, absolutely. And it's not there, um, I think, for the for especially the public sector, you know? I think it's, you know, I've been kind of on on different kind of media platforms and things like that, getting out saying, I actually think it's cruelty to children. What's, what's happening now, you know, unless you can pay, as I say, there's just no way, you know, and I just, I, I think it's absolutely horrendous for the kids and their future and everything like that, that, 
you know, they go on, the medical profession keeps going on about early intervention and all that kind of thing, but then they don't provide us. It's not there and it's just not available for parents. So, I mean, what what are they supposed to do? I think it's just very short-sighted of the government and I just keep hearing about this bumper funds that they have and I'm kind of kind of, well, throw some down this way. Like, yeah, we're so desperate I've, need. I've heard the funds are there. Do you, it's the staffing issue. That's what I've been yeah. told. You know. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, would you, to be honest with you, like, would you want to go and work at the CDNT at the moment, the way things are going, you know? Like, the staff are, that are there that I've come across are absolutely fantastic. But you're going to get downtrodden knowing that you don't have the backup and the support. And, yeah. you know, you're only able to, you know, if you if you get, if you're going to treat a, a child and give them some services, you're giving them two or three sessions. Like, that's not... That's not anything. It takes my kids about four or five sessions to get used to the OT or get used to the speech therapist before, you know, to create that bond to work together. Yeah. You know, so giving the child a few sessions is doing nothing. And you'd have to ask yourself why the staff aren't willing to do the jobs as well, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of them are bogged down in paperwork, you know? They go in with kind of fresh kind of energy and everything like that and then they realise it's just probably a lot of red tape and you can't do this and you can't do that and a lot of paperwork and they're like well this isn't actually what I want to do so I'll just go out on my own and do it you and, know and then the poor staff get in the next of the parents and it's not their fault there is fa- there is fantastic people working for the CDNT and the HSE absolutely yeah it's, it's above them it's it's management it's the people that are organising yeah. all these things that I just don't get it. The pay must there must be a problem with the pay or the conditions and the paperwork. There has to be some issue that um people aren't willing to work for them. But I think someone mentioned on the podcast before about overseas overseas workers bringing them over um to do the work but I don't know how that would work out. But um it's an idea. I think I think we'd take I think if they filled every single position that they have, they'd still find that they don't have enough, but you know, it would be a start. I think, you know, it's but it's it's not an attractive prospect position to work. I mean mm-hmm. you're looking at like just say if they say, Okay, well you can get forty five thousand and someone living abroad it's like, Oh, that sounds like a good wage but then they look at the rent and everything like that and they're like, Well actually I'd have more if I stayed in Spain or Italy or wherever they're from you know, it, it's kind of the wages may be kind of higher in Europe, but they're not actually the you know the standard of living wouldn't be with the cost of living and rent and everything like that. So you kind of it's a catch twenty two. It definitely is. It is, definitely is a yeah. catch twenty two. And then like you have to think of the kids then the forgotten kids. That's what they're gonna be. At the moment, they are the forgotten kids because they're like they're getting nothing basically. Well, most of the the parents I know aren't receiving anything. Yeah. There, no, there is the odd one or two now that are happy with CDNT, and that's great to hear, but it's not enough, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's actually crazy. Like, it's just... But, you know, like, I just kind of refer back to, you know, my son um, with the speech with the speech delay. Like, if, if we had have waited to get him with his assessment needs and get everything done publicly, he'd still be waiting... Yeah. You know, so we'd be two and a half, he'd be nearly five, coming up to five. And, you know, if we hadn't have gotten the private services, like, you know, speech therapy, the home tuition we paid, and um, we started paying from when he was two. Right. Because we, we knew there was something, you know, that was going on. I mean, he needs the extra help. So we were, were in a position that we were able to do it, which most people wouldn't be, and they shouldn't have to in the first place. But 
if we had have just said, okay, well, we're going to wait and have faith in the system, he, he, pro- he most likely would never speak, you yeah, know. Yeah. He would be nearly five and wouldn't have the skills to do anything, you know. And Or, or now he's, you know, he's chatting away and, you know, he still has his little challenges and stuff like that, but he's absolutely doing amazing. And the fact, like, he wants to talk, he wants to socialise the kids, he wants to do everything like that, and he's doing, you know, trying so hard, but he just needed the skills to be shown how to, to do it and he needed that kind of helping hand but that's not going to happen to the majority of kids and that's, it's that's why I, that's why I say the forgotten kids because that's what yeah. they're going to be known as it's it's absolutely shocking what's happening at the moment and um, we, I know the government the people in power know what's going on and they provided the funds so I don't know I don't know what's happening really being honest you know um, are your kids in school or I have, um, Jack will be doing the home tuition this year. It's oh. kind of coming up to the first year of Becky. Okay. And then George, we're very fortunate. He's going to be starting in um, an autism class in September. So we're just, again, like we're extremely lucky. And I know a lot of people that are really struggling to find places and classes. And that's another bugbear that I have of children having to go in in September not knowing what kind of supports they're gonna have. Yeah. It just I'm in that boat at the moment. Um six year old is no no school place whatsoever. I can't find an ASD it's, class at all. It's absolutely mm. beyond shocking. Like it's mm. just you know, like and she can't just a lot like, you know, it wouldn't have made sense for us to send George into mainstream. So I said to my going, like yourself, gonna, are we going to have to homeschool? What are we going to do? Is our child going to miss out on a fundamental part of their lives? Yeah. And yeah. it's that on top of the other extra stresses you have of, you know, of, of your child's social skills and, you know, therapies and all that kind of stuff. You, you shouldn't have to worry about the basic education of your child and their right to have adequate education. It's against our human rights. Absolutely. It's like it's it's one thing it's providing um, a school place, but it has to be an appropriate school place. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's it's shocking what's going on at the moment. But I have to say now, ASIM have been a big help, and I've spoken to TDs and everything else that are trying to help out. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed anyway. But as you said, like, does does kids not going to be going to school in September? They should be. To an appropriate school place, and it's really sad, you know, that sort of way. And then we have the summer holidays, obviously, and parents are going to be stressed out over that as well. And with July provisions, some not getting it, and some getting it, and so on. So, um, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be a roller coaster ride for most most parents. So, yeah, and I and I think that's when a lot of parents really feel you know, the difference between kind of, you know, the neurotypical and the neurodivergent families. That's where you kind of start to feel that separation where, you know, some people like, you know, they shouldn't, they just take it for granted that, you know, they're going to get the school bags and the schools and they take the pictures of the kids on their first day of school and it's just a matter of course for them. Whereas other parents are having to absolutely fight tooth and nail and having, you know, kind of literally losing the will to try and find their child an adequate space for school like it's just it's it's just it's just so wrong yeah there's a there's a fight for every single thing for an additional needs child you have to fight for everything yeah school places my um my youngest got diagnosed 
she the psychologist was like, Are you okay? And I just burst into tears and she was like, You sad? And I went, I just don't want to fill out more forms. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. And it was literally the thought of the forms. I was like, I just it wasn't about my child um being on the spectrum. I'm like, you know, Jack is who he is. I I I love him for being him. So that was never kind of that that thought didn't even think, oh God, another diagnosis. That didn't even occur to me. I just thought, oh God, another fight on my hands. Like, yeah. I've literally taken a breath and having to fill out and start all the form filling again. And I think that it's just, I don't know, like trying to explain to even like friends or family members about these like DCA forms that you're having to like name every negative aspect of your child and you know you feel like you're cheating on your child and saying all these horrible things about your child in order to try and get something that you actually should be just entitled to in order to be able to fund the private services because the public sector aren't able to give us anything you know it's just such a wrong and inadequate and cruel i just think those forms are cruel it's 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 absolutely crazy yeah the forms are a nightmare as I said, I'm in the middle of doing all that stuff, application forms for skills and everything else. I'm being told and um, we're over prescribed and skill places. You're seventh on the list. Um, you'd be looking at two years by the time you get to skill yeah. place. Like, it's crazy and it's depressing, you know. It, do, it does really get you because um, you can see your child's needing to be in school and everything else. And they start to regress then. Yeah. When um when they're not around their peers and everything else, and that's what's happening, my lad Sam at the moment, there is a regression, um and it's sad to see, but um, hopefully fingers crossed they get a school place in September. Yeah. But um, it, it is. I I've seen so many parents um in our group and stuff, and they're just like you know I had a class, I thought I had a class, and now I don't have a class, and. We're now we're third on the list and they were going to looking at opening up another, you know, autism class and it's not gonna happen and it's just it, it shouldn't you shouldn't have to be on that knife edge all the time. Like it feels like, you know, we're all constantly living in a fight or flight mm-hmm. with no kind of certainty and it's always kind of, you know, you know yourself it's always it's the last minute dot com, actually you have it, actually you don't, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's just you never you don't you don't need your life planned out for you, but there should be certain basic human rights that our children there should be a certainty of you know that they will you know that they will receive adequate education like that's that's why why isn't that a national crisis like (laughs) it's it it is an emergency situation and I, i keep repeating this over and over and the government know this do you know like the people that need to know what's going on do know what's going on yeah. But uh, nothing's happening. I don't know. The autism, the autism committee seem to be doing a great job um, as well. I must give them a mention but, um, for bringing everything to light. But as I said, this has been going on years. So it's yeah. it's widely known what's happening. Like you do hear people on Joe Duffy, parents and everything else crying, begging for help and all this yeah. stuff. And it's it's disheartening to hear, you know. Um, I know there's, there's people in the know... Uh, hoy up to listen to these podcasts as well and like oh, I don't know what to say really um, like I mean you know it's the people in power you know they do that side where nod and go oh it's terrible yeah you know it is it is, an, it is an emergency if if people if they really cared they'd do something 
if they really cared about our children, it would be done, you know. And I just keep saying to people, like, you know, in, in about 10, 20 years, this will be the next, I, I feel anyway, the next scandal of all the children that, as you say, the forgotten children. Yeah. And you'll hear about all these kids that didn't get therapies and, you know, and they, you know, they regress because they weren't getting treatment and therapies and, you know, adequate care that they need. And everyone will go, oh, it's so bad, it's terrible. And that's kind of what drives me mad. You know, it's sad what has gone on in the past in certain areas of Irish history. But what's going on now? Let's let's change now. Let's do something now about now that we actually can control. So that's that's what I find frustrating. Let's let's look forward and, and make the change now. You know. Yeah, and and this this day and age as well. Like you you think that something like this wouldn't be happening at all. But I think I think you're spot on. It's definitely going to be a scandal. And I think um, I had someone on the podcast before who's, who said he can see the Taoiseach standing up in, in many years' time and apologising for all this because what parents what parents are going through is, and the kids, of course, and the, the adults, the autistic adults that, that have nothing basically either. It's, yeah. it's scandalous, scandalous. Oh, it is. It's, it's just absolutely shocking, you know. And, you know, the way, like... Even if they looked at us objectively and took emotion out of us and took kids' welfare out of it and just looked at it from an economic viewpoint, that if they invested in our children now, so just for example, hypothetically my child, if we hadn't been able to pay privately for all these services, we don't know how far he would have actually progressed or come on. So he could be... He could be that he's actually, you'll never be able to go to college, school, work, that kind of thing. And then he'll be, you know, on the disability, be reliant on the state, or that they could actually pump funds into our kids now, give our kids a chance and see, you know, and then some of them, some of our kids will be able to go to school, go to college, go to work and actually pay back, you know, yeah. by, paying, by paying taxes, you know. Yeah. So I just feel that they should be given the kids, our kids, resources in order to kind of be them be- their best selves and give them the opportunities to, you know, to, to do do what they can and be be who they are. And, you know, some will work, some won't, and that's, that's absolutely okay. But, you know, give everybody a fighting chance, an equal platform. And it, it makes you so angry, like, to know that this has been going on years and still to this very day, this very second, there's no plan. There's absolutely there's no plan, <laughs> and I know I know there's other groups um going into the the dialogue and everything else meeting TDs and councillors and everything else, and basically talking about the same thing. But I'm hoping something starts happening. You know I know nothing's going to happen overnight, and this what I mean. Yeah. These these things are going to take time as well. So why do why while these things are being worked out, there's kids missing out, and I keep calling them this the forgotten kids that are going to grow up with basically receiving no help whatsoever. Oh, I know, absolutely. It's, like, it just, it's, it brings, it's just gut-wrenching. It's the only word I can describe it. It's a matter of fact now at this stage. They're going to be the forgotten kids. There is kids that are going to receive absolutely no services whatsoever. And yeah. unknown kids, or kids, unknown parents tell me with adult kids... Um, that they never receive services. They grew up out of services, and then when you get to an adult, and um, there's nothing there for you either. So, where do yeah. you go from there? Yeah. Like, it leaves it leaves parents feeling helpless. Yeah. And there's 
there's nothing worse than a parent feeling helpless and watching their child. You know, it's it's just a form of torture, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then, as far as them protesting and all is concerned, like people have been protesting as well for years, trying to, trying to get the same thing. And I know enough is enough, every voice counts. They're doing a great job in Fuss Ireland. They're doing a brilliant job in ASIM. They're doing a fantastic job. But um, hopefully, fingers crossed, something starts happening. A proper plan well, listen, is maybe put in we place. Can get our heads together and have one giant just shut the place down. This, is, this has been called for for a long time. That, that everyone needs to get together and do this and do it right. Yeah. And there's there's un- unwillingness on some some parts people parts should I say, um, to do their own thing, which is okay if they're getting great services in their area and everything's rosy, brilliant, but um, you have to think of everyone, like when I say when my kids had school places, I was still fighting for the kids who didn't, you know, this the thing just because you ha- you have a service you have a therapy you have a school place. It doesn't mean you stop waiting for the people who don't. But I think that's the time where you should stand up, you mm. know, and where, you know, if your child's getting the skill place and the services and things like that, you, you've got that little bit inside you, you know, like that's where parents are supporting parents and things like that. And that's where, you know, we're in a lucky position that we're able to give our kids, you know, speech therapy, you know, tea and things like that. So therefore, you know, I should be fighting for you know, other families and everything like that. And that's what we are doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and we should all be standing together as one, regardless of what your child has or doesn't have. And I think that's where, you know, if we could organise something that we all came together and went and with, with one voice, I think they'd have to stand up and notice rather than each group doing their own thing. Like, I mean, obviously we all have our own different objectives and things like that, you know, on a smaller scale. But on a whole it's basically let's get our kids and let's get our kids in school let's get our kids adequate education is not the first basic thing yeah yeah and services as well now as far as as far as i'm aware there is there is something in the great in the in the works about someone trying to arrange to get everyone together and i think it's a great idea now i'm not dissing the people that don't want to do get together like they're doing fantastic work what they do like but i think as as a whole like we've thousands of members on our groups like if we could all just put our heads together and go in one clear direction get it done get the kids sorted and the well, adults we can't forget anyway. the adults either yeah no i'm 100 percent in anyway if you want to if you want to have the chat from uh get them because i know uh fuss ireland and that they do an absolutely amazing job and everything but we just i think it needs to be a numbers thing yeah, you know, for really people to recognise that they take to the streets and get out there and everything like that, you know, they can't not. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's, there's other parents with additional needs kids as well, like Down syndrome Ireland, and I'm sure they're not they're not getting any services either and like stuff like that. So it's it's a whole combination of everyone needs to put their heads together and do it for the kids and the autistic adults as well that deserve help and services. So. Absolutely, yeah. I was reading stats there about uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, was it from the twenty? Well, there were older stats. So I'm hoping they've improved. Like, but it's like you know, eighty percent of 
um, adults with uh, a disability or, or un- unemployed or extremely underemployed. You know, it's just, you know, we just, we're just not, we're getting better, but I don't think we're still, we're not fully inclusive. We, we're not ready to fully adapt yet and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I think that the wheels are turning slowly, yeah. but they just need a little push. Yeah, yeah. And, and we all know it's not going to happen all overnight, but we need to start and we need, like, there is people probably that know stuff that's happening and other people don't. See, this is the yeah. problem. Everyone needs to be on the same page, even though they have different objectives. They have to be on the same page of a clear direction to move yeah. forward and get stuff done. And I'm hoping the TDs and the people that have the power to be included in that and we, we get something done, basically. So, yeah. Absolutely, that's absolutely, the plan. you know. Right, Rebecca, have you anything else you want to add? Or? No, it's just uh, like everybody's welcome to the This Is Me Neurodiversity. Um, we've got our Facebook, which is a, it's a private, obviously private membership. So kind of what happens on the Facebook stays on Facebook. Um, we're all here for the parents, as I know you, you guys are as well. Yeah. And uh, we're having... Basically, we're just our, our main focus is, you know, meeting up, parents supporting parents, and um, getting the kids together and kind of creating memories for kids. And hopefully, the kids will find their tribe and things like that. You know, so it's just kind of trying to help parents with the social and families with the social aspect of it. Like we're going to have a family day on the twentieth of August. We're planning it, and we're basically going to try and make it like a kind of a a little. You know, it's only our first year, so it's it's going to be on a small scale, but we're going to do, you know, like a balloon modeler, but he's going to come to the kids rather than having to do a queue and trying to make it kind of like this a bit more normal that parents can go to things. And, you know, if there's a child having a meltdown at the corner, you know, that's okay. My child just did it five minutes ago. You know, that kind of, it's mm. just... <laughs> maybe you yeah. should, maybe you should email ASOEM and tell them about your, your fun day. Um, I'm sure they'd like to get involved yeah. somehow, you know. Yeah, and we're also going to be doing um, a support day in July for parents of newly diagnosed children on the spectrum. So we basically will have like an occupational therapist, speech language, ter- language therapist, and a behavioural consultant as well. And myself, just I'll be going through. Um, I've teamed up with Enable Ireland, so I'm basically going to go through the parents every single thing that they're entitled to, and I'll give them all the information. Um, so just, you know, things like, you know, when you're entitled to the nappies, you know, what forms are which, you know, how to kind of navigate the system. The stuff I struggled with, I suppose, is, yeah. is what I want to kind of hand to parents. And then they'll just be able to speak to the, you know, the professional speech language therapist, like how to kind of do some bits, top tips at home while you're waiting for your therapies and OT, how to kind of create your own little... OT session for the sensory seeker, the sensory avoider for people who either can't access services or are waiting. Yeah. So we're going to start trying to, to do those every quarter and just kind of make our way around the place. So kind of the first one is in South Dublin and then we plan to do kind of one in North Dublin and just kind of keep continuing on because I think parents just need that arm around them. It's a very lonely time when your child is going through a diagnosis or has just been diagnosed. Yeah. And you know, I've never felt so kind of mentally and a kind of emotionally better in the last number of years since I started the group. And, you know, I'm meeting the most amazing parents, most amazing kids. And, you know, 
what was we felt kind of like against the norm kind of our little unit now we feel like we're absolutely parent numbers we're having amazing play park dates and you know chats with parents and it's, it's literally life-changing so i just want that to for everybody you know for everyone to kind of have that community yeah. feeling and they're not alone He's doing a great job. Fair play. And the the link is on my page um to yours if you want to have a look on um Autism Families Ireland. And hopefully it continues to grow for you and keep up the great work, Rebecca. Thank you so much, Al. Thank you so much for having us on. You're very good. And I'm sure we'll talk again at some stage. Absolutely. You'll have a chat. Okay, Rebecca. <laughs> okay. See you now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.